The car business is rapidly changing and modern car dealers are meeting the demand. I'm Michael Cirillo, and together we're going to explore what it takes to create a thriving dealership and life in the retail automotive industry. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with subject matter experts that are designed to help you grow. This is The Dealer Playbook. of the Dealer Playbook podcast. So excited for you to be here for this one because we are hitting the non-prime conversation from a different angle. I'm joined by none other than Ted Lamb, the CEO and founder of Aether, building some really cool software, has a cool history in the auto industry, and actually a really cool story about why he decided to build this software for dealers. Ted, thanks so much for joining me on the Dealer Playbook podcast. Thank you for having me, Michael. Appreciate it. Always been a big fan of, uh, you know, of, of Dealer Podcast. Being in the industry for so long, it, it, it's tough. Now that we're kind of away from it, you always want to stay into, you know, stay in the know and... Right. Um, I, I listen to your show a lot to to ensure that I have, you know, I'm not I'm not irrelevant anymore. You know, the information I have right. doesn't expire. So I really appreciate you having me on the show. Well, I appreciate um, yeah. you uh, tuning in. So you've <laughs> you've basically you, you've been in the industry for years and years. Um, you fell backwards into it, like I think all of us did. <laughs> you know, not, not everybody's like I want to grow up and be a you know in car sales, but. Talk to me a little bit about your journey in the industry, coming from dealer side over to building a software company, and and also like what led you to build the the product that you have. Um, well, so industry is small. It's it, it is fun. You're right. We all fell back into it. I mean, you're. I don't think when I was growing up, I don't think car salesperson was top five hundred <laughs> when I was five years old. So right. yeah, I definitely fell into it, but. Man, I, I I truly loved it. As soon as I got into the industry, it's like it, it it just it just it felt it made sense. And right. one thing I liked is because I have a lot of energy, and you know most people idle at here. I'm like idling at ninety typically, so uh, I'm a little bit different. But no, being in the industry, I've done everything from salesperson. I've been a subprime finance manager, a finance manager. Every single position I've done it, but it was, it's truly that, uh, it's truly the non-prime uh, position that I love the most. And the reason why I did is because one, um, it's one of the first, and I think it's going to pick up now in the industry a lot. It's one of the first positions that you can genuinely, genuinely deal with the customer from the very start all the way to the end. So you don't have to meet, you know, a greeter, a salesperson, a salesman, right. and then you pass them their finance. So I hated that. I actually love the whole control. Not only that, I found that the more time I get to spend and learn about someone, the easier that I'm actually going to be able to help them. So I, I truly enjoyed the process. But, you know, first of all, joining into the industry in, uh, in 04 to 08, I was a top rep. Um, I always had a niche for sales and it never failed me. But I was living the American dream. And I laugh about that today. It was not as funny then, but, uh, you know, I was making <laughs> it <laughs> I was making one hundred thirty thousand dollars a year, but the American dream I was spending two fifty. So oh four, oh five, oh six, oh seven, pretty easy for it to catch up. And then in a way, it happened, and that's when I realized that I'm sitting here going, "Man, there is not a lot of options out there when, for people that really actually want to take that next step in credit." And the reason right. I say that is because there's two types of clients I look at. One is 
you know, I know I have bad credit. So what? Everybody does. Ha 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 ha. You know, that's mm-hmm. your traditional type. But then there's actually a big half of that grave that's like me. It's not like we were bad people. It's not like we intentionally did it. The lack of education is for one side, but, you know, the amount of none, there's no resources out there to really help. So I made myself a promise. I wanted to get really, really good at it. And when I mean good at get good at it, it's learning everything about it. What can I help a customer? Even if even if uh, Michael came to my car, uh, to my office today, I couldn't help Michael. Michael's not leaving without anything. Michael's right. leaving with advice. Michael's leaving with how to rebuild it without the vehicle first and ethical type of strategies. So the reason we built it is because you know one day I was I was at the dealership and. Um, this is in 2020 in October. This is the best month. This is the reason why there is a third. So 2020 in October, I'm in my office <coughs> and I, I had two of my, um, two of my subprime managers come up to me and said, Hey, Ted, we don't have it. We're going into October. We don't have enough vehicles. I said, how is that possible? There's 252 on the lot. I was like, we were the only dealership that bought cars during pandemic. So we've never had an issue with inventory. So long story short, I jumped in there. And I wanted to show show them that we can actually do it if you just take time. My whole the whole point of me getting mad at them because they're doing about eight to ten deals a month, but with two hundred fifty mm-hmm. cars in the lot, I think they should be doing double. Right. So I wanted to show them best practice. I said just because a file's tough, uh, lots of negative equity does not mean that you just don't take you know you don't help those clients. Um, don't just take the easier ones first. So I said right, so right. And I wanted to show them that what. So when I went in, started showing people. That there actually was, uh, you know, that there actually was a way to do it better. I just decided to just jump in. So long story short, I'm jumping in and I'm showing these guys that it is doable and it is, it's not as hard as we perceived it to be. Did I lose connection here? Oh, no. no. Sorry. Good. Um, so we created the thing. Uh, so we're, we're looking at everything and I said, no, there's got to be a faster way because right now, like, well, if you were to Google, how do I become a subprime manager for automotive? There is nothing out there. So then I figured and I calculated timings, everything. And as I was mentioning to you, your playbook and the company that you created at that perfect time is when the market needed it. And I was like, just like this company, you know, for us, for me, me at Aether, it was really, really tough for me to quit the automotive industry to go into it because... Right. One else financially really well, but more importantly, it's it's an area I've never looked into before. However, when I calculated everything, I was like the CRB, CERB served. So every Canadian was getting $2,000 a month. Every Canadian. So I was like, okay. And then they got used to it for two years. They're getting that $2,000. Right. So mm-hmm. I calculated that it was going to end at the time. Interest rates are going to h- climb up. And with interest rates climbing up and everything else, that to me was the perfect timing for us to do Aether. Plus, there was no education out there. So I wanted to do two birds with one stone. One, I wanted to help people rebuild their credit uh, with the new wave that is coming up. Just because people's credit changed doesn't mean their standards have. And our system is going to be able to actually give you that process. So, you know, you and I were speaking before where if you had good credit... (laughs) When you have good credit, you walk into a store, you pick the car that you want, you drive that car, you buy that car. It's super simple. So to those that are listening, that is like, hey, how, what's subprime? And what's the subprime process? It's a lot different. You first have to go in and you start with the credit check. So it's actually completely backwards. 
start with the credit check, you find out what the banks can approve you for, and then we start the journey. Right. What gets complicated sometimes is when when you're adding negative equity. So what you owe on your vehicle and what the dealership's giving you, that difference, it might not fit into the next vehicle that you're looking for in terms of whether it's loan to value, the booking doesn't work, or your payment right. policy doesn't work, and that's why it takes time. So like when you come in, it's not as easy as, hey, I have bad credit, you do the pre-approval, and you're like, hey, I got 500 bucks a month. What's so hard about this? But Michael, it's at 17%. You owed an extra 7,000 from the previous loan. So now we only have these options because and you're like, oh, well, what about that 2010? It's only 7,000. Can I make that work? And like, yes, if I could finance it for longer than 12 months. Right. So those are the restrictions. It's payment, it's interest rate. And typically, if you were to come in and you're just a normal client without a system or a tool that can make it faster, we're talking anywhere from one to three days to complete a process. And that's if wow. we have the right vehicle. Right. With Aether, we can make a deal happen in two seconds. And we, we, and I pride myself in one thing. I pride myself in the fact that it's car people software built mm-hmm. for car people. So the car people build, it's a car people build software built for car people. So in my software, it's super simple. If you know how to read approval, if it says approved and you know how to read that on your tech, you're already half, you're already half approved. Right. And then type in four numbers, we have matches. We have right. a lot of dealer partners across Canada. And that's what I really truly pride myself in. So I, I want to help people. I want to get people on loans. Automotive vehicle loans is a depreciating asset and it actually does help build your credit fast. Right. So now it's that's, no more longer, no more longer. It's no more building deals. It's building the port. And that's what matters. Mm, yeah. That's, and I think that's a very valuable distinction here is you're focused on a bigger picture and, you know, you've mentioned it a couple of times to help people. I'm doing this to help people. You know, often when people build companies in automotive, like so so for you and I, allied industry professionals, I think is how NADA deems us. Um, you listen to a lot of them and they're like, oh, well, we're, you know, we're on a mission to help dealers do X. Yes, dealers are people and that's fantastic. But you're also seeing this other picture. You have this different lens that you're looking through because you were once in that situation. And that really resonates with me, right? Because, you know, the thing they don't tell you, I'm obviously born and raised Canada a year and a bit ago, I moved to the States. You know what they don't tell you is when you move to a different country, you got no credit. So here I am fully established, own a company, doing well, financially, all these sorts of things. But I I really resonate with what you're saying is just because you don't have credit or your credit's you know, taking a dive or whatever doesn't mean that your standards have doesn't mean that you're not capable. It just means understanding the circumstances with which you have to operate in. And then I I love how you're marrying that to, and here's what we can make work. You know, I, I don't even, you know, even in other situations, I think of Ted, where I'm a complete laydown. you know, I walk onto any dealership in Canada, pick out any vehicle and I go that one black leather interior, let's get it done. Um, I still dislike the fact that we go through that whole process and then finance is the last thing. It it's like, be like that, Michael. yeah, let me know first. Let me know what I can choose from first would, would solve so many problems for every car shopper. I feel like. You know, not to stay off topic, not to go off topic, but what you said right there was um, 
I don't brag about our successes. I am very proud. I am very, very prideful of how we did business. You know, right. at our store, I had four different processes and four different ways to serve numbers and four different ways to test drive and four. Mm. And the reason why I did that is because I was a top salesperson and I've been number one in everything I've done. And I'm, I'm not sounding arrogant. It's just because right. a very long time ago, I just knew that someone wanted to buy something. Okay? They wanted to get to this destination, A to B. And all I did in the auto industry was 75% of those customers, I made them, I made it harder for them to get to the destination. 25% right. of the people love the process. Right. So then I looked at it going, oh, wait a second. Everything is personality based. I trained my team at Calgary Hyundai. We, we, for one month, you couldn't speak to clients on the floor. And what I trained with you for 30 days in a boardroom is personalities. If a person, if a person walked in this way, if they look like this, this is how we dictate it because the the prime example that I have is an engineer is a D personality. So they're more quiet, they're reserved, their form, their formality is high. If, right. I, if, if an engineer walked into a restaurant and they want to order lunch and eat lunch and leave to them, that's what they want to do. So they sit down, certain way, they grab their menu, they already know. Waitress comes over, and if the waitress or waiter starts saying, "Hey, Ted, how's it going?" What are you doing after lunch today? Thanks for coming. Why us? Blah, blah, blah. To the engineer, the deep personality, this is the worst experience I've ever had. I wanted to come in. I wanted to eat. I wanted to leave. What is this? Ted comes in. And if the waitress goes, hey, Ted, what would you like to eat today? And I'm like, wow, this is horrible service. All you want to do is get me to the point. And then at that very moment, this story, every time I tell this story, as soon as I say this story, I look at my next, you know, people in the industry, because that's the people we hang out with. And I look at them and I say, so tell me, how does it, how does one size fit all in the dealership when that scenario happens every freaking mm. day? Yep. Yep. There's four personalities out there. There's admin people, you know, there's, that's, there's one type of personality. You all know guys are very, they're nine to five. They need to know what's happening. You have their deep personality. These are formality people. These are your accountants, your engineers. And then there's B personality, me. I just want everybody else happy. I don't care if I don't right. like tacos. You guys want to eat tacos? Let's go. Makes you happy. Right. And then right. there's an A personality, which is my way or highway. So in my store, four ways, four styles, four numbers. And I find that by doing that, you just allow the customer to take you to the destination. I don't care mm. if... So back in the day, back in the day, Michael, would you agree that people had to when they're buying cars? It was step one, two, three, four, five. Right. Yeah. However, with today's industry, I personality B wants to go three, four, five, one, two. Today's today's dealerships don't allow that. Uh, a D personality might go five, four, three, two, one. You know, right. everybody has their own style, and what we've done is restricted it because we've held information hostage. That people can Google for too long, and now that it's just it just doesn't work. So it's funny that you mentioned that. It, it well, and it's funny too because that's that's actually what led to my second to last purchase experience at a Hyundai store in Edmonton, where I walked onto the lot and said, "I want that Palisade." And the the rep says, "And how soon do you want it?" I said, "You didn't hear me." I said, "If you, I want that one, that that, that. right there, <laughs> slate gray with the black interior." And okay, come into the office. And I'm already thinking, here we go. Pulls out the four square thing. And I got to go back and forth. She went back and forth to the manager so many times that I finally said, how about you just have the manager? Like, how about you just have the manager come here 
instead of this back and forth thing. How soon are you looking? Yes. Well, I said, maybe you're not paying attention. I have to, it's, it's 1130. I have to pick my kids up from school at 230 and I would prefer to do it in that vehicle. And it just, you it was a just scale. a disaster of a, yeah. You, do you, I remember back in the day where like, this is an 04 when I first started in the industry, a client would be inside the vehicle already in the showroom, inside the vehicle. And they, and right. my job, my manager would be like, get them out of the vehicle, put them to your office, and then we'll get back into that vehicle. So I'm like, I'm like, but this doesn't make sense. They're in the vehicle, Mazda 3, because they wanted to buy the Mazda 3. Like, no, they don't. So I had to take them out of the vehicle just to do the, the, the interview first, and then I showed them the dealership, right. and then I gave them back to the car. It was Backward. just like, the customer was like, this is ridiculous. I just wanted to stay in the car. It took me physically, I don't know, it's crazy. Right. Let's touch on, <laughs> I, you said something earlier I want to just reference back to uh, and get your thoughts and expertise on this. So you, you said, I mean, in Canada specifically, and I know something similar happened in the United States, basically the government printed a crap ton of money and was giving people a couple thousand bucks a month for, to, to get, you know, to get us through the pandemic. Um, and people got used to that, but now we're, we're having to pay for it. Inflation, uh, interest rates are, are hiking and, and there's just all sorts of problems. What's your outlook on impact to the market? I read, um, I read this morning, um, on auto remarketing Canada, where they posted something about, you know, this is the first month that Canada's seen a decline in wholesale values or in used car vehicle values. I mean, as it pertains to what you're doing with non-prime and focusing on that market, what, what do you think's coming for us? I think it's a scary situation. I really do. I, 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 I really do feel like the, I feel like the, the shift into the industry, it's, when I was in non-prime, it's, you know, you would get anywhere from 9.9 .9 all the way up to 40, and it's like pretty evenly spread out. You have the 9, right. 10, ones. Right now, what I think is going to happen is people got so used for those two years <coughs> of $2,000 a month. You know, I, have, I was having a tough, tough time hiring people because for two grand a month, this is tax-free. You get in your pocket right. two Gs. That means right. I would have to pay someone three Gs that same month to work to take them the same money. I couldn't find staff. People are like, dude, if I don't work, I get the right. same thing. I don't have to listen to you, Ted. Yeah, I'll take it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I feel I feel like trying to get the people back into the into that workforce. I think it's gonna be a matter of it's gonna it's gonna be slowing in, but our industry impact, I think it's gonna be like like this. Again, why I built the software. All of the middle part, the mid primes, mid near, so non prime, there's three levels. Near prime, so I would say that's nine to 12%. And what that means to near prime people, nine to 12 means about one to one and a half years. You're, if you do a financing, you get back into normal. And then you have your 13% all the way to 27%, 13 to 25. That is your, that is, that was the bread and butter of some time in the past. You know, your, you got two sales of that gentleman. They're going to make or that out of that client. There's two. There's two uh, steps, two two different refinances, two things to add on to the credit, and then they get into the into the prime side, uh, and then there's deep deep subprime. So deep subprime is 26 percent and up. They've had former repos. It's just a really tough, uh, a lot harder to approve clientele. So what I feel like is going to happen now is you got this new wave, two to three hundred thousands of Canadians that have never had bad credit before. Okay, never once are now going into the market where, like I said before, if you were to Google, how do I become a subprime manager in Canada? 
How do I mm-hmm. see the deal? All this stuff, you'll find nothing. So what I'm gonna what I we're gonna see is dealerships that know how to cater to the subprime market, they're gonna do well. Um, there's a huge uh, um, there's a huge risk for dealerships that have been doing things one way only um, because I don't know what it is. With a client that's had bad credit, if you tell them to go and sit into the lounge and wait for six to seven hours for us to find an option, that is normal. That's been drilled into their head by the industry for 20 years. Right. But someone like me, if I just got bad credit and I go into a store, you tell Ted to go sit down at that couch for four or five hours, I'm going to tell you to pound sand. I'm out in four or five right. seconds. Right. So there's got to be there's got to be a huge wave that of non-prime clients that are going to be uh, sorry non-prime departments are going to be being built across Canada across Canada across the states quick and I feel like there's going to be a huge shortage of people that are going to be able to fill that. Mm. That's kind of how I found my gap in my my our our software is four numbers and any single person could legitimately use the software. Um, I have trainers that are actually using their software right now to train uh, subprime teams. And the reason why they're using that is they said, what my system does is it saves six months of training to get them to have you know, a portion of that knowledge. So we're right. able to do that. So yeah, anyway, back to the, back to the nonprofit. I, I, I do think that it's, I think it's, I, it's very interesting. I, 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 I'm having a hard time predicting what it's going to look like in the next 24. Um, I, I definitely think that dealerships are going to get challenged. I think a lot of subprime stores that are already doing um, a lot of the subprime business, if they don't make a change to cater to clients again, I think they're going to be out of business. And then you have a lot of prime companies that are, oh, we don't do subprime here. You can't afford to say that anymore. Right. Back in the day, 20% of the business is subprime. If your population at the area that you're in is big enough that that 80% you can survive off of, great. But right now, the prediction is it's going to go to 60% subprime. Or prime, right. Right. subprime. You're losing another 25% of that bread and butter. You're going to go back in. So it is a very interesting time. It, 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 it intrigues me as well from the personnel standpoint to your comment. Um, there are, there, you know, I feel the same way. There's going to be an influx of this because it, it also presents an opportunity, right? If we're also focused on playing the long game and, having lifetime, you know, building lifetime value relationships um, with customers. A lot of customers will be going through the next year or two in this category, um, but that they're not always going to be there. And depending on how we service them. So I, I see a huge opportunity there to your point, but would you agree? And, and I might be out in left field and I'm totally open to it that you can't necessarily in the, in the framework of the way things work today, you can't like, there's a lot of dealers that are like, all right, there we go. Let's create an on-prime department. Let, let's do it. It's like, who's going to run it? Well, we can take our BDC director because they seem to know a lot and let's make them the non-prime director or the, the, you know, is it as easy as that? Is that possible? Or what kind of skill sets do you think are important in order to do build out a, a subprime or a non-prime department successfully? Um, I, I love that you said that because it's true. I think that's what a lot of dealerships are going to do. Let's open up a non-prime department and you, you're now the guy. It's like, I, I don't know right. how to deal with it. It's, it, it's, I, I think that I was just is, doing Facebook posting milk. And before that I was the receptionist. And, and that's why if, 
if dealers are going to react, I find that this this is the first time in a long time where dealerships that have not cared about a huge market that will take over right. have an opportunity to enter in. And mm. um, and the reason why they have the opportunity to enter in now is because one, if they don't, they're going to be left behind. Um, but so one, it, as it gets. I find that as the subprime market is going to keep growing, these dealerships, the best thing that they can do is this. They have to start adapting. As you and I have talked about before, it's it's not about how to get to the sale. If the person wants to do numbers first and they don't test drive, who cares? In today's right. market, if you look at the most successful retail stores, Apple being one, if you walk into an Apple store, the first thing that you're going to notice is that there's a gentleman standing in the very front of the building. In that very front of the building, that gentleman is not there to stop you to walk in at all. It's He's designed there. If you have a question to go ask, it's to make things be easy. You know, or think about this. Uh, at my dealership, not just the four personalities, but we had all the vehicles in our showroom turned on. And the reason why it's turned on is because have you ever walked into an Apple store and you had to ask someone to turn on an iPad for you to check it out? Right. And why isn't that? It's because, again... We're not, we're trying to make things archaic. Let, so that I guess the message is going into this year. One, you're going to have to open up to what clients want. Clients want this. Clients want to deal with Ted. Ted from the start of the sale. And when I first walk in a dealership, you don't have to approach them first. Let them do their thing. Okay. Just Apple. Apple does not panic when they have 70 clients in the store and only 13 of them are being helped. They're not like, oh my God, the ups, the ups, everybody go, look at the ups, <laughs> the ups. and nobody stays within six feet, da, 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 da. you know, you don't leave, no. I'm right. like, dude, we have the best technology in the world, you're right. going to come in, you're going to play with it, you're going to win, you're going to want to buy it, and then you can grab us. So, subprime, it's not just starting about uh, getting a position, and I, and I, and I really want to stress this because I've always loved training into subprime stuff. It's not about any verbiages I can give you, all right? There's no verbiages. There's no shortcut. There's nothing. What you have to do to cater to subprime is start from the very beginning. And when I say start from the very beginning, that means your processes at your store, if you don't change them and the stores that are adapting, they will, they're going to make it. And so, as I said before, clients want one thing. They want one thing, which is the ability to deal with one person. Because if I had bad credit, I'd rather tell Ted, not Ted, Mike, Daniel, Sonny, and Hope. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Why, right. if I wanted to come buy a vehicle and have bad credit, I had to talk to five people. That's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Two, start the process early. I have hated it when I walked into a store. If I can go get a pre-approval for a mortgage, okay, if I can go get a pre-approval for a mortgage, why can't I go get a pre-approval for a house first? And and Michael, I'm uh, when you when you bought a house, I'm assuming that you bought mm-hmm. like you, you bought your house. You didn't just go and walk into a place and say, "I want this house. I'm just going to take it." And, and I hope the work finances. Every, yeah, I hope the finances no. work. No. How did yeah, you, how did you do it? How did you do it? You got approved, pre-approved, and then you go look in your range. So yeah. why are we not offering that to subprime clients? Because right. what's happening in the industry right now is that. One, there's so much pressure from management to salespeople about sale, 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 that oftentimes the culture of those stores are actually making this happen. And there's so much pressure into getting new deals done that your, 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 your rep there, when your client's telling you, I have bad credit or, hey, I might not get approved, the rep would rather not hear that 
right. sell the car anyway, just so their manager doesn't get mad at them. That's not the way to do it. Empower your team. You know, at my store, 30 days upstairs, you learn personality. The second half that you learn is credit. Yes, a salesperson, every one of my team knows how to read a credit bureau. Oh, yeah, but they're not finance managers. Yes, and that's why my store does better. Number one in Canada for a reason. Give the people the education. And truly, Michael, my only success in the last 18 years is I held teams together. I take pride. I had seven years. I had the exact same team, salesmen, uh, finance. Granted, we're promoting them within. But <laughs> I take pride in trying to teach people how to take my job. And the more people I try to teach how to teach my job, I take my job, the better I get. So right. one, give, empower your sales team to teach them the things that other managers might not be okay with. Empower them. Because one, you're going to get more guys that are going to know how to do everything. So in the event that they get that shot to be a subprime manager, it's not just like, it's not like you're not, you're not using your center lineman to be a fucking backup goalie out of, out of the blue. Sorry. <laughs> you know, you're using your backup goalie for your goalie. And that's what right. I'm trying to get done. That's one. Number two, and train them on how to be a listener. Uh, in subprime, I would almost say that my job was pro- I was a professional boyfriend for some of it. Because, you know, they all had their story and you have to listen. Genuinely listen to their stories. Right. Earn, earn the fact that you're not just there to take their money. Listen to how they got there. What do they want? Hear them out and truly try to... Show them that you are the expert. When I go into right. an Apple store, I pick up the phone, then I start playing with it. And when I ask someone that question, I'm like, hey, can you tell me more about this phone? Then they start, not a problem. Are you sending more emails with it? Are you doing this, this, this? Right, it's just right. the whole, whole thing works. All car dealerships need to start catering to subprime people in that matter. And if you're wondering how, the only way that you can actually truly give a prime experience to the entire subprime market that's coming in in 2023, either you get the best sales trainers in the world and they all come and help you train every single person, which takes about six months to get them there, or you buy a AITHR. We are here to use automotive intelligence and the years of non-prime experience that we have, our sales team has over 200 years on boots on ground on just something. Wow. So give us a call. You know, we'd be more than happy. A-I-T-H-R, Aether X is our software. How many X's, how many more times can I give you more business? How many X's for your business? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing. I love it. This is a great conversation. Thanks so much for joining me on the Dealer Playbook Podcast. Thank you so much, Michael. Thanks for having me. I'm Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. Thanks for listening.